it works just by itself. You know, nobody says Elvis Presley. People just say Elvis. And, you know, people don't say Eddie Marbo. Well, they don't need to. They can just say Marbo. And that's what this episode's about. It's a beautiful, sunny, winter's morning in June, here in Melbourne. It's, uh, what is it, the 26th of June, just a couple of days to go um, till the end of the financial year. This is the time of year uh, when we consultants all are pigs with our snouts in the trough. and. I'm on my way into the city because there's a there's a nice trough in there that I need to get my snout into. You know, only a couple of days before the end of the financial year, and you have to get your contracts going. All right, now um, this episode I am going to make about Eddie Marbo. Eddie Marbo. I know next to nothing about Eddie Marbo as well, and which qualifies me well. This, uh, for, for the type of episode that I like to make, um, and, you know, when I, every time I say that, you're sort of thinking, ah, you're being um, sporty. Are you being self-deprecating? You know, like, uh, but falsely. I'm not actually. In fact, I think, and I like to have a little chat about how I'm going about these episodes almost every time at the start of every episode. You know, I like to do that because I'm in no rush. Everyone rushes. Um, now, there are people who approach subjects such as these subjects I approach in a much more academic and pithy way than I do, especially on social media, you know. People are able to reduce a complex and nuanced topic into the space of a meme. You know, they can go bang like that and they say this is it boom nailed it that's a very favorite phrase on social media i'm not on social media as i often say um but it's an interesting thing you know uh people want it sharp people want the, you know people want the information fast if you want the information fast go somewhere else we do the information slow here uh i remember tina turner the way she used to do proud mary she said, some people like it fast, but I'm going to give it to you slow. <laughs> I love Tina Turner. Um, she knocks my socks off, even when I'm wearing thongs. Um, now, um, Eddie Marbo. Right. Can't remember exactly where he came from. One of the islands up in the Torres Strait Islands, was it? Um, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. I should throw more comments about Essendon into... Um, these podcasts, you know, I only mention Essendon every episode, and I feel that's not enough. But Anthony Tippenwood, he's a star. He's the barometer. They call him the barometer. Um, if he plays well, Essendon plays well. Um, but my favourite player at the moment is Connor McKenna. Uh, he's an Irishman, and um, they try and get him uh, onto TV as often as they can. Connor McKenna because you can't understand the thing he's saying. You know, they, they interview him and they say, it's O'Connor McKenna, what did you think of that game? Oh, I don't know. You know, and it's great TV. You know, nobody knows what he's saying because he speaks Gaelic. Um, I'm sure it's English. Um, but it's a Gaelic form of English. Nobody knows what he's saying. And one time they were interviewing Connor McKenna and, you know, you think these digressions are nothing to do with what we're talking about? They're everything to do with what we're talking about. If, I'm, if I want to talk about Indigenous Australia, you know, the, um, the feel, it's nuanced. It's nuanced, you know. And even when I talk, if I talk about something, nothing to do with, if I talk about, you know, um, in, um, Native Americans, you know, I might talk about them for half an hour. I'm talking about Indigenous Australia, you know. If I talk about the ancient Romans, I'm talking about Australians as well. You know, I'm probably talking about, um, 
you know, uh, we Westerners in Australia, if I'm talking about ancient Rome, you know, um, if, if you went back to ancient Rome, it would feel strangely modern. A Senate, you know, the laws would feel the same. You know, there'd be two people living next door to each other and they'd be having a dispute over the fence, about the fence, you know. And the laws that would be coming into play about resolving that fencing dispute, that dispute over the, you know, the, the border, you know, the border of the two properties, the fence, you know, you must pay half each and all that sort of stuff, but he wants a nicer fence than I want and all that sort of stuff. The laws would be pretty much the same. Ancient Rome would feel very modern if you went back there. It wouldn't feel that crazy. You know, you could go to the Colosseum and watch the chariot races. It wasn't all, you know, they weren't just throwing Christians to the lions every day for a thousand years. The Romans, most of the time, it was just chariot races and other sports, you know. Um, and it would have felt a lot like going to the MCG, you know. Oh, I thought, Sporty, you were talking about Indigenous Australia, and here you are talking about footy at the MCG. Oh, come on, you know what I'm saying. All this is relevant to the Indigenous Australia. Um, uh, yeah, um, there are um, Indigenous Australians have been amongst our greatest footballers. Um, you know, Longy, he's one of my favourite players, you know. Um, Alright, my uncle, uh, he met Longy. Um, um, uh, my uncle, and this is in the time before things got a little bit freaky, um, he had a black dog, and that dog, he loved Longy so much, he called that dog Longy. And Longy, and he, and he, he met Longy, and uh, he lived in Darwin, and he lives in Cairns now. And, um, and you know, he had a drink with Longy, and uh, Longy thought that was hilarious, he loved it. Um, all right, now, uh, the long walk. Right, so, Eddie Marbo, he was up from the Torres Strait Islands. And Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, the barometer, he's from uh, Torres Strait Islands too. And uh, there's um, there's uh, some good players come from up there in Darwin um, area, not Darwin. Yeah, Torres Strait Islands is Torres Strait Islands, it's not Darwin. All right. So um, Eddie Marbo. Now he came from an island. I really can't remember which one. Um, you know, the word Melville Island is jumping into my head, but that might be wrong. Um, but this podcast is not about the detail. This podcast is about a chat. And wouldn't it be funny if we got at Indigenous Australia better via a long chat? A rambling chat, a long and rambling chat. Just taking it easy. Sitting on the back porch, day after day, just chatting. You know, sometimes wandering off and wandering back and all that sort of stuff. Wouldn't it be funny if this was a better way of getting at Indigenous Australia than a lecture by a professor or a post on Facebook um, which seeks to tell you how it is, you know? Wouldn't that be funny if just a long, long chat... But, gee, you have to have a lot of time used to have a lot of time in the old days. People haven't got a lot of time anymore. Um, I have a lot of time only because I drive a lot for work. So, you know, I could just listen to pop music, um, but I choose to talk um, instead into this uh, podcast. Um, uh, you know, you can, um, you can waste time and you can make time. You can make time, can't you? You can waste time and you can make time. I seem to make time. I'm... I'm living slowly amongst the haste, you know, because I've got a very busy job and I've got three kids and I've got mortgage and I've got all sorts of things going on. Theoretically, I haven't got time to breathe, apparently. You know, um, I went to bed late last night, about one o'clock, you know, and then I'm up, I was up this morning at what? Well, my daughter had to be at school early for a singing session or lesson or something. So I was up extra early this morning and away we go again and, you know, kids to school and lunches and all that sort of stuff. Oh, you must be run off your feet, sporty. Yeah, but here I am, just driving, I'm relaxed, driving into the city on a beautiful sunny Friday, Thursday morning in June, and um, I'm actually really um, 
very relaxed. You can make time. You can make zen. Alright, and as I say, I'm here for a chat because I just had this slight suspicion that in taking too long to say something, I'm saying it better. This is just my suspicion. It may not be right. Maybe you want something pithy, you know. Maybe you just want a meme. Get onto Facebook and you'll find a meme. Um, you know, um, you'll find, you know, I've probably done nine hours worth of podcasting on Indigenous Australia so far. Nine hours of speaking. You can probably find one meme on Facebook that nails it for you. Um, five words, you know, five words that say everything. Um, I see that in the news a lot now. It's There's been some crossover in, from social media into the news. Um, and uh, there's an addiction, I think, to distilling complex ideas. And I'm not, you know, everyone, lots of people say this. You know, lots of people observe this as kind of the ridiculousness of um, modern dis- public discourse. Um, you know, and you, and you see a headline often that says four words that fully explain what's wrong with this country, you know, or five words that tell us why the Essendon coach has to go, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Um, actually, I don't think Essendon coach has to go. I like John Walshold, don't worry about that, Walshah. Right. Uh, my favourite player, though, at the moment is Conor McKenna. I switch around a bit. Um, Conor McKenna, the Irishman, the biter. You know, the biter. Um, he prides himself on his turn of speed. Uh, Conor McKenna, he's Irish. And uh, he's hilarious. He used to play Gaelic football before he played Aussie rules, before he played real football. And uh, we bounce the ball every 15 metres because that's sensible. You know, that's the way to do it. Um, but um, there are other games of football in the world which are a bit weird, you know, like um, there's rugby where you hardly ever kick it, so it's more handball, and you can run as long as you like, but, you know, it's much more uh, it's, it's much more sensible to bounce the ball every 15 metres just to slow the player down and give the guy chasing a little bit of a, a, little bit of a chance, you know. Um, keep it even, keep the ball going both ways and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, Soccer. Most boring, boring game I've ever seen in my life. Oh my goodness. Oh, except for gridiron. Um, yeah. Um, all right. Um, you know, soccer. The rolling on the ground, screaming in agony because they get a touch on the shins. <laughs> oh, Aussie rules. Big hit. Keep going. Okay. So. Eddie Marbo, um, that's from the Torres Strait Islands, and now there was a huge moment in Australian history uh, relating to Eddie Marbo, and I can't get to the bottom of it completely, but I get, I've got a fairly good idea, and you can go and read it, kids. You read about it if you want. If you want to get the the, the real nuance, you know, I'm giving you a bit of a nuance here, um, but the real nuance of it. Now, the way it works is, the way things are, we had a, a chapter on Terra Nullius. We had an episode on Terra Nullius before this one, you know, in which uh, the Europeans declared that Indigenous peoples didn't own Australia, the land, you know, there was no ownership involved. Now, this underpinned the very essence of um, the Australia that the Europeans were setting up here on this continent. A continent we also called Australia in the end, you know. We didn't call it Australia at the start. Um, so, um, the... The whole idea of Australia, the, as defined in the Constitution, um, you know, the young and free one, um, 
is was underpinned by this idea of you know the concept of land ownership and then there were a couple of cases and I was listening to a podcast by that history professor who, who whose name escapes me uh, but it's called Australian History or something by La Trobe University go and listen to that podcast it's really good um, I think you know that professor was on the I think he was on the side that was the opposite side of John John Howard's, you know, um, black armband. Uh, you know, we don't want to wear a black armband uh, view of in history in the history wars, which we discussed in a previous episode, right? Now, uh, so you know, look, call him a bit of a lefty if you like, you know, left and right, lefties and righties. Um, I find those terms vaguely. Um, unsatisfying they seem limiting to me I um, I try and say is he left is he right you know and it doesn't quite you know butter my parsnips or cut my mustard or whatever you know um, I find the terms very limiting you know they're very political um, they're not quite they don't quite sort of work sometimes because a lot of issues become a bit social more than political um, and left and right don't quite work for me. Sometimes I need to, you know, use other terms. Conservative and progressive or horrible and nice. Um, right, let's, let's pause that there for a second, okay? Hang on. Hello? Hello. Hey. I'm back. Yes. So, Eddie Marbo, that's what we're talking about. And I was talking about Conor McKenna too, because he's my favorite player, the biter. I called him the biter before. Um, I, I did mention he, uh, he is proud of his turn of speed. He's very fast. He's like Adam Saad. Yeah, Adam Saad's very fast too. Comes up through the middle really fast. And, um, and Conor McKenna, they're both really fast. They're speedsters. Uh, but against a Bulldogs game uh, about, what was it, like two years ago now, a year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, against the Western Bulldogs, you know, which we used to know as Footscray, um, against the Western Bulldogs, Conor McKenna got caught. You know, he, you know, he grabbed the ball, as he and Adam Saad do, um, and off he went, he flew, off he went. And, um, well... He got caught. One of the opposition players in the Bulldogs team, I can't remember who it was, um, caught him, you know, and tackled. Got him. Got him down, you know. And Connor McKenna. Oh, my goodness. He was... He was um, appalled. And he, he went into a frenzy on the ground there. He was under... He was, in a, he was caught in a big tackle and he bit him. He bit that guy. He bit him. You know, Mike Tyson. <laughs> oh, dear. Terrible stuff. I'm, I'm horrified, you know. I never laugh at these things. <laughs> but um, he bit him. And why did he bite him? I think um, he was furious at himself. He was furious that he got caught because that was his identity. I cannot, I cannot be caught. I run like the wind. And he got caught. So he bit him. And, and it gave the newspapers the, the chance uh, um, to have the headline that they've been waiting for all these years. And it's the headline, the dream headline for all reporters worldwide. Man bites dog. Yeah. And uh, that's Conor McKenna, you get the idea. And Conor McKenna, he, um, um, his brother, uh, you know, you can't understand a word that Conor McKenna says. And as I said, they try and get him on TV because it's good TV, it's funny. Um, just to listen to him speak and not know what he's saying. And um, anyway, he was talking one day, and they said, oh, is that your brother over there? You know, And his brother was over from Ireland. Know, maybe he lives here, I'm not sure. But uh, Conor McKenna's brother was here. And they said, is that your brother over there? Oh, to be sure, my brother, you know, retires here, takes these, you know. And um, they said, I'll oh, bring him over. Let's get him on the interview, you know. And they said, so, you're Conor McKenna's brother, are you? Oh, for the one of us. You know, 
uh, ratings went through the roof. Um, so, but back to Eddie Marbo. Eddie Marbo, the, um, I think he, you know, what's jumping into my head, Melville Island? I should do more geography. I said this in another episode, you know, Tiwi Island, you know, I, I see, you know, tell me that. Um, and I said to myself in another episode, I should study more geography because I don't ever get around to it. And um, I'm very oral, you know. Uh, I like to listen to things, but I don't read much anymore. Um, you know, we're in a golden age of oral history now where we're all just talking into podcasts now. If podcasts had have been invented a long time ago, we might not have invented writing. And we might have all stuck to oral history. I actually get a lot more out of oral history, um, especially when it comes to talking about, you know, um, uh, non-fiction, non-fiction, you know, uh, history and philosophy. You know, I like to not only, uh, the words aren't good enough for me, I need the tone of voice, you know. It would be even better, it would be even better if I could have facial expressions. I should be actually videoing myself making these podcasts um, uh, because then you get my facial expressions as well. But I do most of these podcasts while I'm driving and there's laws against that. They're so pushy, those cops. Um, so, um, you know, they're, they're no fun. <laughs> they're not very sporty. Um, so, uh Oral is what you get. Uh, anyway, Eddie Marbo. Um, Eddie, he, he was from... I should do more geography so I know where he knew where he came from. But what I do sense is the place he came from, and um, I picked this up, uh, there was a concept of ownership of land in the European sense. Check this yourself, just in case I'm wrong, but I think I'm right, because a professor told me, and professors never lie. Um, now, um, and as far as I can tell, you know, like on the mainland of Australia, uh, you know, it's a basically hunter-gatherer, um, you know, if you're a social media user, someone will find one example, 23,000 years ago, where there is slight evidence that one mob in, um, you know, outback South Australia, uh, was engaging in a connection with the land that was vaguely um, agricultural and they would say, aha, we got you. The indigenous peoples were an agricultural society. And I said, but that's just one example. They said, yes, but it's on Facebook. And, uh, and if we can get um, an image um, onto Facebook, of an exception to any rule, that exception to the rule becomes the rule. And we say, gotcha, you know, and we, and we scoff, you know, and we say scoff, we scoff at you. And we say, you know, um, for example, let's say, um, uh, let's say, um, I've got it, because I like football. Um, let's say, men, attacking women at the football, you know? And you might come out with a claim that men, domestic violence at the football in the crowd is not something that happens. We do not have a problem with domestic violence in the crowds where men are bashing their women. Yeah, at the footy, you know, because they're busy watching the footy, you know? They wait till they get home before they do all that. Now, you might say that. And the way social media works, and this is this, you know, this is where you lose the nuance and you lose your head and you lose your brain and you lose your reason and you lose your powers of anything. Um, and then someone finds a, um, you know, one time um, someone finds some footage where a bloke did whack his wife at the footy up in Bay P2, 17 years, seven weeks ago, at a game, and there's video footage of it, and they put it up on Facebook, and there's this man whacking his wife, you know, and um, and then the rest of the crowd all jump on that guy, and 
and bash him to a pulp. You know, all, all the crowd, even the people on his his fellow supporters on who voted for the same team as him, they all beat him to a pulp. You know, and then she's screaming, "Don't touch him! I love him!" You know, no, this is the way it goes. But um, so, uh, and then they say, "Scoff, ha!" People say there's no domestic violence afooty. Watch this then! Capital, 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 capitals, you know? Exclamation, exclamation mark. Hashtag, you idiots. You know? And that's the way it is on social media. Um, they say QED. We have proven you wrong. Because we found one example. You know? But, um, you know, and maybe because, you know, there might be one example or seven examples or 87 examples in 65,000 years of, you know, evidence of some sort of something vaguely agricultural. You know, maybe the, um, and it was very sophisticated, the, the way they used to burn off, um, uh, renew, you know, the cleansing power of fire, um, as the Persians used to say, the Persians were into the cleansing power power of fire, uh, you know, because fire cleans better than water in many ways, um, you burn the whole lot off and then, you know, it cleans everything, the great fire of London, you know, that had the cleansing power of fire, um, there was a, it was a, it was a cesspit London before the great fire of London, it was filthy, you know, Europeans were very filthy, when Marco Polo went to China and Japan or wherever he went, he said, this is clean. Said, wow, this is clean, you know, compared to what I'm used to. Where's the plague, you know? And um, so, you know, and um, people were throwing out their bedpans out the window on, to, on top of people down below wearing an umbrella because they're so used to that they have an umbrella so that when people throw their, um, their waste um, out the window, you know, they've got an umbrella um, so that it just, oh, gross, you know, the cleansing power of fire, and in the great fire of London, nobody died, did they, um, it's pretty amazing, um, there were great fires in places like London, and Rome had a lot of great fires too, um, Nero, you know, he helped out a lot, Nero, after, you know, they say, you know, Nero played the fiddle while Rome burned, um, but I don't think it was like that, especially because fiddles hadn't been invented. Um, but um, uh, Nero, apparently, that was one of his, um, you know, he stepped up to the mark, uh, apparently, after that fire, and really helped with the relief effort, as far as I can tell. You know, people like things to be black and white. Nero's bad. He's the beast. He's 666. He's the devil. He's ushering in the end of the world. But, you know, that's something you then. Um, sympathy for the devil sympathy for Nero. Apparently he did pretty, you know, he, he organised a relief effort pretty well. He was pretty pleased that the Great Fire went through because I think it cleared a whole section in an area um, and he was able to um, just commandeer that area for himself and build a wonderful, um, you know, extend his palace. I think his palace went from one hill, one of the hills of Rome to the other, you know, it was huge. And I think there was a huge golden statue of himself the big fat Nero boy, you know, the big fat boy, and um, maybe he looked a bit better than that in the statue, um, and um, the Colossus, they called it, the Colossus, you know, and he was the Colossus Nero, um, the great man, and uh, uh, they ended up taking that statue down after he died, and they built the Colosseum on there, and the Colosseum is named for that statue, you know, because that was called the Colossus, and so, you know, they called the Colosseum the Colosseum because it was built on the site of the Colossus, you know. Um, <coughs> but, but, you know, Nero had that sort of space as his own space, his palace, and the Colosseum was for the people, you know, so that was a, a step forward. Um, but uh, great fires and, you know, and the great fire of London, a baker decided to, that it was getting a bit filthy in London, so he started a fire. Um, which cleaned London up, and all that filth and the rats and the, you know, it all got cleaned up, and apparently it, it actually was really good for London on that level, 
nobody died anyway, and uh, and you know it was a real clean up. You know, and the Persians used to actually worship fire for that reason. It was cleansing, and um, the indigenous peoples um, employed fire for that purpose as well, and they would um, set fire to uh, you know control burn offs in the bush, which would. Um, and uh, you know the way the Australian bush is, our 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 fauna, our flora, sorry, our flora, um, it comes up again. Um, it comes up fresh. It's not like some other forests in the world where, you know, the 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 place you know a fire goes through an area of cypress trees or something in other countries, and you know the the whole area is a mess for a long time and uh, but in Australia it's not like that the very next year um, you know the gum trees don't actually die unless it's extremely intense and they start growing leaves up and down the bark and you know and all fresh fresh uh, growth comes up and the animals come and the birds come and it, it's really good you know uh, for a fire to go through and then the the bush regenerates itself, and the indigenous people were well aware of this, and they would do controlled burn-offs. I bet sometimes they did controlled burn-offs that got out of control. Have you ever seen a bushfire? You know the way the bush goes off. You know, sometimes I bet you there was sometimes. Yeah, everyone likes to um, um, make humans out to be so perfect, as long as they're not Westerners, and. Um, they say, oh, these guys were scientists. The way they did this it was brilliant, you know. But I bet sometimes they went, you know, they went off to do, you know, one mob went to do a controlled burn off and they wanted to perhaps burn off 600 hectares, acres, you know, and you know, got out of control and they all said, um, uh oh, oops, stuffed up there and it just kept going, you know. The bushfire went all the way down the east coast of Australia and you know, thousand people in other mobs got killed, you know, I bet you that happens sometimes, um, but, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't get away from the fact, I think, that uh, they knew what they were doing, you know, just because you make a few mistakes doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing, that's part of the risk of living, isn't it, um, so, um, yes, but uh, by and large, um, you know, that might be called agriculture. You can call that agriculture. You know, that's um, a way of um, controlling um, uh, the land. And, you know, that's a form of agriculture. It's very sophisticated too, and I'm sure they did it in very sophisticated ways. But, you know, by and large, they were still hunter-gatherers, I think, on the mainland of Australia, because I'm getting back to Eddie Marbo soon. Uh, but Eddie Marbo, um, he came from an area on the Torres Strait Islands or whatever, and I'm pretty sure that it wasn't a hunter-gatherer community that Eddie Marbo was in. Nothing to do with Europeans, you know, it probably goes back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousand years that they just weren't hunter-gatherers. You know, the geography lent itself to agriculture, so, you know, his mob um, developed agriculture, as far as I can tell, you know, because... We're not, humans aren't smarter because they respond to their geography in different ways. You know, Europeans aren't sort of uh, um, smarter because um, they, they developed agriculture in Europe. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and smarter than indigenous people who stayed with hunter-gathering because, you know, the geography dictates what decisions you make. You know, the Egyptians weren't stupider um, because they didn't invent the wheel. They had no need to invent the wheel, you know. Then you get the Assyrians, you know, violent bloody lot. Um, but they invented, you know, they had, they had the wheel um, because they had chariots and things like that. And, you know, one day the Assyrians came down. I think it was the Assyrians. Came down to attack Egypt and the Assyrians had all these chariots, you know. And, um, and the Egyptians had no chariots because they didn't even have the wheel. And you sort of think, oh, Egyptians, you are so stupid. What? You haven't even invented the wheel? Come on, Egypt. Egypt. Yes, but Egypt was uh, an advanced civilization, and we all know it. And yet they didn't have the wheel. 
they're responding to. They didn't really need the wheel in their area. Um, uh, so that's the way it goes, you know. And um, so people respond to their, you know, humans respond to their geography and their climate well, as they find it. And that's the way it is. Um, so Eddie Marbo was in an agricultural sort of um, frame of mind. He owned his property, you know, and he was able to prove that he had a continuous, he and his mob, had a continuous connection to that property going back a long time. Now this was, this, and here comes the way, you know, the Marbo case panned out. Um, Australia, when we, when we created the Constitution of Australia, we basically put a great big stamp on the, you know, um, entire continent of Australia and the islands around it and said, that's all ours. We own the lot. And our very, uh, our very essence depends on that fact, you know. Um, we need unity. There is one Australia, you know, and we own the lot. And that's, and we build our entire constitution around this idea. Okay, so when you think Australia, we want you to think the Constitution of Australia, but we also want to think you to think of the map of Australia, you know. And this is where um, Indigenous people were, I think, via the idea of terra nullius, reduced to the status of flora and fauna, you know, because they were just there in the same way the flora and fauna were there, but they didn't have any ownership and they didn't have any, you know, recognised connection. You know, and I'm not going against what I said in a previous episode in which I argued that terra nullius wasn't about declaring um, indigenous people flora and fauna uh, specifically, but it had that effect, you know. Um, and I'm not getting moralistic about this, you know. I, I couldn't care less, you know. Um, you know, I'm not upset um, because I'm lucky, uh, because I'm European and I own my own wife and I own our little spot in, in, in Australia. Okay, and you know, if, if we were truly, if we truly cared, we would unown it, give it back to the Indigenous peoples locally. Uh, but we are continuing to own it, so we can't be hypocrites. A lot of people are hypocrites, you know. Oh, I love Indigenous people, give them back their land, but not my part, you know, not my property. I've already got a fence around that. I need it. You know, that's mine. And I'll bite you if you try and take it off me. Like Connor McKenna bit that bulldog. Connor McKenna bit that bulldog, you know. And if an indigenous person, you know, most people, you know, um, go waffle on and on and on about indigenous rights and all that sort of stuff. And if they found an indigenous guy setting up a tent in their backyard, they'd probably call the cops. Okay, now, um, so Eddie Marbo uh, was a very interesting case, and it came up, and Eddie um, went through the Australian court system, and by that I mean the nation state of Australia, and said, actually, I own this land in such a way as I own it outside the idea of Australia itself. I actually own it in a, yeah, I own it in such a way that you're going to have to sort of say that my piece of land is not part of Australia, but it's mine. It's mine, you know. It doesn't fall within the jurisdiction per se. And boy, did that go to the High Court, because that actually, that struck at the heart of the very idea of the Australia that the Europeans were trying to set up, just this one guy, you know. And he won that case. He won it, you know. And people say Europeans are um, unilaterally the devil. Um, but we, you know, our courts can rule against ourselves. We're able to rule against ourselves. We have the power to rule against our own interests. Isn't that funny? or, you know, our own greed interests anyway. Um, you know, we can, uh, the European system has got its pluses. Um, where a judge can rule against European Australia, you know. 
people don't acknowledge that. Maybe, maybe people don't acknowledge that. You know, they say, you know, like uh, it's like the when the English came up with the idea of abolishing slavery, which I think they came up with, uh, you know, fully out of a European tradition. There was no Martin Luther King back then, um, and the English thought we should abolish slavery, you know, and every nation on every place in the world thought, every civilization anyway in the world thought slavery was a good idea, but the English said, I think it's a bad idea. And then they got smashed for having been slavers in the first place, to some large extent because, in my opinion, they had put their hand up and admitted guilt. You know, had they not admitted guilt, they might have um, not been smashed so hard as they'd been smashed. You know, the people who had been their slaves might have, and I've argued this in a previous episode, I think would have said, continued to think slavery was a good idea, even though they were the slaves, but they would have um, worked hard to um, not be the slaves anymore, but become the slavers and turn the English into the slaves. And there's a lot of rap music that seems to um, that seems to go along those lines at the moment. Um, a lot of rap music says the white people um, they enslaved us, so now we need to enslave them. Um, my goddaughter sent me a uh, a song by someone called Naz, uh, who I know about, uh, just yesterday actually, and she's in a bit of a tears about it. She just didn't like it, and oh, my phone's gone flat. I was going to read it to you, and um, and this Naz was saying, all people, um, Africans, you know, but I think he was talking everyone with, but it was a very skin colour type rap song. Um, we must unite because the enemy is the white, you know, something like that. You know, we must unite, even if you've got a little bit of black in your skin. Um, you must come over with us. And please, what are you doing? Why are we fighting amongst ourselves? We must unite against the real enemy, you know, the, the real enemy being the Europeans, you know. So I think, you know, that's that kind of pre-abolishment of slavery type thinking that someone has to be on top and someone has to be smashed, you know. Whereas a lot of progressives these days, and I'm a progressive, um, say actually we need to break we need to stop that cycle you know we need to stop that system where someone's on the bottom getting smashed you know based on skin color and someone's on top winning you know we need to break that system you know but um you know this person naz who i didn't get a good feeling about um he he would be the enemy of most progressive progressives i know anyway just listening to his lyrics because you know the modern way of you know we are we are all the same you know um, let's all live together um, uh, somehow um, without you know and this is no excuse for white privilege and all that sort of stuff but let's all live together um, even though uh, you know reparations whatever we need to do you know what I mean but Naz isn't into that yeah and the um, and I think that's, that's, you know, and and this is not to excuse anybody, but it's just to say, you know, sometimes if you put your hand up and admit you've been doing something wrong, whoever you were doing wrong to at that time will use that, um, that sorry, if you want to call it, that sorry against you and, and hurt you twice as much as you would have been hurt had you never said sorry. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't say sorry because of that. I'm just saying humans can't be trusted. You know, humans are not very nice, you know, deep down in a lot of ways. Um, but then again, you know, especially my people are not very nice. Horrible people. You know? We're all horrible. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be environmentalists who wish we'd all die just leave it to the animals and the, and the environment be good for the environment if we all died um, okay so but um, yes Eddie Marbo went to the High Court 
in which the High Court was asked to rule against, you know, on a shallow level at least, the interests of itself. Australia, you know. Australia was asked to act, um, to rule against Australia. Australia was asked to rule against Australia. And Eddie Mabo asked Australia, invited Australia to rule against itself. And after all was said and done, Australia did rule against itself and said, Eddie Mabo's right. He owns that land, we don't. Aha! So now when you look at a map of Australia, there's a tiny, 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 tiny little piece of Australia that's Eddie Mabo's joint um, that isn't part of the map. You know, I, I think that's the way it is. Um, which is fascinating. But how did he win? You know, because there was another mob, the Yorta Yorta, here in Victoria, up on the Murray, who also put a claim in, and they lost. Um, you know, and the professor I was talking about said uh, part of the reason they lost is because they they weren't being practical. They claimed the entire Murray, maybe. You know, they claimed they claimed ownership over fully established cities. You know, Albury, Wodonga, perhaps. You know, Yarrawonga, Malwala, and all that sort of stuff. You know, I don't know where, but you know, their lands had been extensive, and it was just totally developed. And you know, the professor was uh, was saying, listen, you know, there's a practical element to this. You know, if you're going to claim Melbourne ownership and tell everyone to pay rent, it's not going to happen. You know, um, we've in Melbourne. Um, you know, the Wurundjeri tribe says, listen, we own the entire, you know, CBD, you know. And there are huge, huge, you know, we're, uh, Melbourne is under a, a boom at the moment. And, you know, there's um, whole towers full of, um, you know, Asian people actually and Indian students and all this sort of stuff. I don't mind saying that. Um, you shouldn't say that, but I just want to say it because it's true, you know. Um, and, you know, the Wurundjeri tribe going to knock on that door and say, listen, we own this, I want you to pay rent to us, they're just going to say no. There's a practical element, you know. There's a practical element. And um, and if you ask for something from the High Court that even they can't give, you know, you're probably doing the You're probably not going to win. Anyway, but um, the Yorta Yorta found it a lot harder. The reason the High Court found it easier to rule in Eddie Mabo's favour from what I heard from this professor who was smarter than me. The reason that case got up was because the Australia, you know, the entity Australia, was able to look at the way he was interacting with the land and they could, they could spot it as something familiar to them. They could recognise it, they could spot it as an ownership, a type of ownership they could understand. You know, um, Eddie Marbo was tilling the land in a way that was culturally familiar to the European Australians, and they were able to readily rule in his favour and say, yes, we can see that he owns that. Because he owned it in a way that was similar to the way we see ownership, you know. So it, it didn't really help the hunter-gatherer cause so much on the mainland of Australia because the Yorta Yorta, for example, was saying, we, you know, you're saying Eddie Mabo owns his land, we own our land too, but the Australia, because it's so primitive in, its, in, in the way it thinks of land, and I don't mind using that primitive word primitive in this respect because the word primitive and sophisticated is a relative term, you can be, you know, Europeans are straight, uh, sophisticated in in their own cultural ways and primitive in other people's cultural ways and vice versa. Indigenous people are primitive. Um, if you're looking at the connection to the land under a loan ownership model, European-style ownership model, um, Indigenous people are primitive with respect to that way of looking at land, whereas European Australians are primitive um, with respect to understanding land in the way that indigenous people understand land, that connection to land they have. And the Barbo case did not quite set a precedent that 
mainland hunter-gatherer style mobs could readily use for their case. All right, now this is getting a little bit tricky and complex, but it, you know, stay with me. <laughs> um, uh, so Eddie Marbo won, but it didn't really set much of a precedent because you know when other mobs came up and said, well, you know, we own our land too. They said yes, but not in the same way that Eddie Eddie Marbo owns it. We we understand Eddie Marbo. We understand Eddie Marbo, and um, and uh, so. Um, that, you know, but we don't understand you. Um, so, that's that. Alright? Um, so, there's nuance. You know? Now, or what I'm getting at with these podcasts is reduce that to a meme. You know? And the meme might say, Marbo won. Why not Yorta Yorta? Boom! Nailed it. And then 600 people, it could get 65,000 likes. I like the word 65,000. And it could do 65,000 likes overnight. And um, people commenting with words like, yes, absolutely, nailed it. But there's nuance involved. And, um, and if I tried to, uh, even if the, my lovely lefty professor tried to um, respond with the nuance that he was explaining to me around the fact that you know Eddie Barbo had a different connection to land than hunter-gatherers you know I think the Facebook community would just smash him and if I tried to um, have this discussion in public in the public domain um, I'd probably get smashed too that's why I enjoy doing these podcasts because I get to chat nice and relaxed. Okay, that was the end of that episode. These are easy. You know, oh, you know, I forgot. Remember I was leveraging off someone else's podcast? I actually completely forgot about him. I've done about two or three episodes now forgetting that I was doing that and just going off on my own. Um, and that wasn't what I was going to do, was it? I was going to actually use him to give me ideas but now I've had a few ideas myself um, uh, without I will get back to him um, he only did three episodes I think I've done about eight already maybe nine and his are only 20 minutes each and mine are about an hour or two each um, so I've already and he did all that work researching and I've done no work um, I win <laughs> The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.